I just have this kind of firm belief that we can shift our industry from being uh, a carbon emitter, a big carbon emitter, to being a, a big carbon sink uh, or a big carbon store, really. It's the forests that are the sink and the built environment can become a store. Uh, I'm just incredibly passionate and also very worried and terrified about the climate crisis and the speed at which it's escalating. But I think we have the ability in the built environment sector to make a huge difference. Hello everyone and welcome to FutureX, a podcast by Martin Hearn, Event Director, FutureBuild, and co-host Dr. Oliver Jones, Research Director, Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series. Hello and welcome to FutureX. I'm Martin Hearn, Event Director at FutureBuild and once again joined by Dr Oliver Jones at Rider Architecture. Oliver, this week we're going nature-based. Hello, I'm Martin. What a great session this week. We're talking about all of the sort of glory of mass timber with one of the founders of ACAN nonetheless. Absolutely. Sticking on that sort of activist theme but also going really plant-based as well but don't worry we're not going to change your diet um you know i know i'm actually like your barbecue but you know this whole plant-based movement and you know in particular we're talking to joe giddens um at built by nature is hugely relevant at the moment you know not only for its carbon benefits um but you know being or is you know one of the solutions to you know the mass housing that we need at the moment uh, yeah. Absolutely. And we're, you know, we are gearing up in a big way with regards to research and our relationships and uh, with advanced material startups in that bio space, you know, biogenic materials, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be whether it be the standard mass, t mass timber solution or whether it be other wood based solutions or like we've discussed on other podcasts, whether it's mycelium or whether it's uh, an algal based um, biotech solution in the construction sector. We're seeing this more and more, and we're seeing this space accelerate. And I think it's an incredibly exciting aspect of construction that is only going to grow. Um, and there's some phenomenal examples of mass timber buildings now, not only across Europe, but here in the UK. Absolutely. And I, and I think what's really interesting about Built by Nature as well is that they're really a network and organization that's quite unique. You know they've got funding behind them they're, they're funded by the loudest foundation um they're actively giving out grants for you know research um and things that are going to accelerate the use of mass timber not just in the uk but right across europe as well yeah absolutely i mean you'll hear me wax lyrical in our chat with joe as you as you well know about the the fact that these guys are genuinely really are pioneers in in this space i think what's exciting is that you know there's clearly money behind this now you know there's clearly big business is looking to to get involved in bio-based materials and and mass timber construction in a in a big way i think there's challenges and we talked to joe a lot about those challenges around fire safety um and some of the combustibility issues around timber but overall all in all if we're going to meet our really really challenging 2050 targets as regards to the environment then we absolutely have to 
be thinking, how do we engage with more bio-based materials? And it's just not going to be done the same way. We're not going to be using clay bricks and phenolic panels in the same way that, that, we're, that we're using them day in, day out now. And I think that's one thing that stands out for me, actually, is that, you know, half the time when we talk about, you know, whether it's natural building products or, you know, nature-based solutions or plant-based products, it, it, it sort of, you know, in my mind, thinks about traditional materials, you know, the sort of old materials. But actually, the amount of innovation now in this space is phenomenal. And you must be seeing this now on your on a sort of a day-to-day basis. Totally. And I think what's really what's really challenging and what's really coming to the fore is we've got the science, you know, we've got mm. the people who are bringing the solutions. But what we're realizing more and more every day is that it's behavior based as well as a huge social aspect of this. It's about ingrained behaviors. It's about uh, what we feel comfortable with. It's about yeah. you know, n- not taking the path of least resistance in terms of our projects and, and the way we design. And it's about looking to, to really sort of set a standard and trailblaze by piloting and demonstrating some of the some of these really exciting new technologies and in some cases not so new technologies you know the likes of hemp and, and other things that we'll discuss in future podcasts absolutely right should we get joe on oh let's go for it hi joe thanks for joining us hello good to be here thanks for inviting me on that's all right mate I guess one of the first things that we always kick off with in introducing you to the audience, it'd be fantastic to hear a little bit more about your journey, about who you are, where you came from, what education you went through, and and how you found yourself where you currently are at the minute. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, so my name's Joe Giddings. I am UK Network's leader, Built by Nature, and campaigns coordinator at Architects Climate Action Network as well. And uh, I'm actually an architect by training by background so um so i studied architecture at oxford brooks and then at copenhagen um and then worked for a few years as an architect practicing as an architect in um in london working on mostly kind of residential uh, projects kind of on the outskirts of london um and then i suppose everything kind of changed for me in 2019 when when me and a few other kind of frustrated early career architects decided to get together and form uh, the Architects Climate Action Network, which which was off the back of uh, a spring of climate activism. I, I don't know if you remember in 2019, there was both Extinction Rebellion and the kind of school strikes uh, going on at the same time and and climate just shot up the agenda. And and me and another few architects who who live in London, lived and practiced in London, went down to the the occupation of Waterloo Bridge by Extinction Rebellion. And and there was this amazing energy there, actually. And um, they'd kind of turned it into this green, amazing public space. And uh, what we kind of remarked upon was how good it was at raising awareness of the climate but how it wasn't particularly kind of um targeted or focused to to the specific challenges that our industry is facing uh, and we wondered whether there was space for something like xr but in the in the kind of architecture uh, field uh, and so we we kind of set set about kind of trying to find uh, aligned architects and one thing led to another and suddenly we had a network of 100 kind of passionate climate conscious architects on our hands by the end of 2019 
Um, since then, I've kind of um, left architecture in terms of my, my practice. And, and as I mentioned, I'm now working at, at Built by Nature. And um, we are a kind of network and a grant making fund specifically focused on uh, increasing the use of timber in construction uh, as as a climate solution. So I suppose my work with uh, ACAN kind of led into uh, my role at Built by Nature. And uh, I suppose that's uh, me in a nutshell. <laughs> I guess before we dive into Built by Nature, tell us a bit about what those early days uh, uh, of, you know, forming ACAN were like, you know, what, uh, how did you go about that? Just what, what was it like? Um, very exciting. I mean, there were, in the first summer before we kind of launched it, there were a group of eight of us from different practices, um, kind of, I suppose, just deciding on on how we would launch it, effectively just planning a launch party and deciding what topics we thought people might like to um, might like to join to take action on. So things like embodied carbon, uh, circular economy, um, existing buildings, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So we were kind of designing the structure of this this network and basically just organizing a launch party uh, and then the 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 first six months after we launched were um were brilliant just like a, a bit of a roller coaster so we we got into this this rhythm of having uh really busy kind of uh, pre like amazing kind of energetic of uh meetings at, at different practices around london once every couple of weeks uh, a practice would would offer to host us and we ended up getting kind of over 100 people to to most of those and everybody kind of having really passionate discussions about what needed to happen to change the industry and um and yeah that was the kind of six months leading up to the pandemic so so it was like six months of um yeah really busy kind of uh busy events followed by two years of online meetings it's testament to the you know the, the strong foundations that you guys laid at that time though that we went straight into a lockdown for two years and actually you know ACAN's not only still existing but appears to be thriving um, you know the, and, and their takeover at Future Build this year was you know particularly sort of energetic and there was a lot of engagement there so you know the, something must have gone really right in those early days yeah I, it was amazing to see the energy that people were bringing and we were totally surprised by the number of people that um that showed up we thought we might get like 10 to 15 and then we we, we got a, a few hundred and and the amazing thing about ACAN is that that everybody basically brings their passion for what, whatever subject it is they want to see change in so the structure of it kind of split into these different thematic groups means that everybody can find their place and now now it's kind of the momentum of it is carried by uh, by many many people we're seeing huge uptake of architects in activism at the moment we've talked you know me and Oliver looked about this huge on the uh, on the podcast we've interviewed different groups as well you know you mentioned extinction rebellion you know instant Britain. there's people you know architects cropping up in all of these what's why are architects getting so involved in in activism at the moment um i suppose i can kind of answer that question through the lens of acam and and i think a lot of architects particularly early career ones feel um, limited by the amount of change that they can achieve at, at their practice and they they also kind of recognize that these issues are kind of systemic you know and you, there's a there's only so much you can change on a single project uh, and and it's really important to do as much as you can but ultimately uh, there are system level changes that need to take 
place need to happen and they're only going to happen if people kind of get together and i think there's been a a big collective realization of that that you know we as architects and other built environment professionals actually have a huge amount of expertise in in how to decarbonize our built environment and that can be shared with people who aren't in the sector and aren't in the industry and we we have a unique position there as kind of um, practitioners from the built environment to to really push for for the change that's needed there so it must be really exciting for you joe to be able to move into an organization like built by nature where you've actually now got funding behind you to really accelerate some of the challenges you know that are out there and you mentioned you know the, the you know accelerating the use of timber within the construction industry can you tell us about some of the challenges you're currently facing and maybe some of the sort of solutions you're looking for um yeah you're absolutely right it's very exciting to be a part of and i think that's mainly because you know timber is is for me and for built by nature uh it represents a really positive solution focused kind of view of how we can mitigate the climate crisis in the built environment um, timber, you know, is, is kind of ready-made climate solution um, that will help us kind of reduce embodied carbon emissions and store carbon in the built environment. So that is what we're working towards at Built by Nature. And it's really exciting to be part of it. It's a quite new organisation. And my role is really around bringing together a network in the UK, which is um, made up of demand side stakeholders that want to accelerate use of timber so we talk to the supply side but mainly we're focused on bringing together developers uh, designers insurers uh, investors cities and asset owners all all of those people on the demand side and getting them to work together on some of the the solutions to the challenges of using mass timber i guess one of the things i'd be really interested in sort of digging into a little bit joe is is what are the reasons that people are coming at you with for not using timber you know you we've probably all heard some of the you know are, are there enough trees should we be using trees to sequester carbon can we cut them all down to to, to make buildings you know what are the reasons that you're hearing sort of day to day on the ground as to what those challenges are yeah well also it's probably worth remarking on the reasons that people want to use timber i mean it it just comes from everybody i mean the large very large private developers that we're working with um some kind of household names really and uh this includes people like Lendlease, who we've um we're working together with uh, on a project um which you can look on look at on the built by nature website but but um, many of the kind of uk's largest private developers are already sold on the fact that timber is a solution for them uh, they want to transition their development pipelines to to using mass timber um but they're they as you point out they're kind of struggling in some cases because there are significant challenges uh these are mainly to do with insurance and the the i suppose the the challenge of gaining um, insurance at an affordable price for mass timber um, buildings and also to do with kind of demonstrating fire safety and um, meeting the regulations and those kind of things we um we yeah we we've talked previously about some of the challenges that are around timber uptake in the construction sector i think as a you know as a practice writer i've got an office in vancouver and and in british columbia the timber sector is incredibly mature you know pretty as are the standards and regulations and and the ecosystem that it, that it exists in 
what what do you think we need in a in the UK context? You know, big question for you there, Joe. But what do you think we need in the UK context, or do we need to start really working on and looking at in order to get more mass timber into the market? Yeah, well, um, I think it really comes down to bringing the insurance sector and the construction industry closer together on on why mass timber is important the climate benefits of it and importantly importantly um how you can mitigate risk and manage risk on mass timber projects because that's what the insurers are concerned about they're insured they're concerned about the the risk of um fire and water ingress and water damage so it's the perils of fire and water so really what we need to do is bring the latest knowledge and understanding from the construction sector and the design sector to the insurers and really just increase that level of dialogue i think so that that the insurance sector is up to speed on how best to mitigate um the the risks for on mass timber buildings and i mean one of the things that we're working on uh, at the moment i mean we're working quite closely with people in the insurance industry um so gallagher an example they're a broking firm so we work closely with this guy Dominic Lyon uh, on a semi-regular series of webinars on on timber so we're, we're presenting the latest understanding of mass timber to property insurance underwriters so just trying to increase their understanding about about what mass timber is and, and how it works. Do you think we've got a sort of a long ingrained history of of being sort of cautious around the use of timber in england you look across the border and scotland seem to be pretty pretty chilled out about their use of timber you know a lot of their housings stick frame you know do you think it's slightly different in england i think it's different in the sense that you know five years ago we had a uh really significant disaster in grenfell tower and and that's really shifted things i mean but prior to grenfell we had a lot of quite tall timber buildings going up um in and around london and across the country really and and it's worth pointing out that we do actually still have quite a lot of timber buildings being built around around the uk that they've just kind of shifted away from resi tall resi to to other sectors like education and and offices but i think um in the wake of grenfell everything's changed obviously as the government's kind of um, place the onus on uh, combustibility really focused in on combustibility of materials rather than um, kind of performance based uh, approaches which um, as we know mass timber performs quite well in the fire but it is technically combustible and so that so the I suppose the regulations fo- focusing on combustibility that's sent shockwaves out into other sectors like insurance where you know they see that timber is combustible and they are concerned <laughs> and so it's really just taking them on that journey but but we are still living in that um in the wake of grenfell i think and the regulatory changes that have come in since then you you write about that focus on combustibility i think i mean do you see the market coming into play by involving other performance metrics further down the line do you know there has to be a, a meeting point of the the environmental discussion alongside all of the other performance metrics and criteria of, of the materials and, and even the social impact of, of of where we're sourcing our materials from. And, and timber seems to be a, a phenomenal option in that respect. Yeah, it really does. And um, 
and I, you know, I think we're we're starting to see a lot of movement towards it and bringing all those strands together. I mean, what makes me quite hopeful is that we we now have kind of cross cross departmental efforts going on in the government to to I suppose like bring in policy that encourages the use of timber in construction. So we've got Defra, Bays, and DLUC all kind of working together. Uh, to develop a kind of policy roadmap and and that to me signals that there is intent from the government to to shape policy to support timber so so i feel like we're gonna i feel like we're gonna make some progress in the next few years so you might be able to straighten me out joe on a few on a few sort of topics here or facts and apologies for sort of throwing them at you mid mid podcast um i i was always under the impression that we as a you know in the uk we don't utilize a lot of our own grown timber for construction it tends to be imported and you know is that a missed opportunity i suppose is 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 one aspect and, and also why is, is it to do with the ratings and the gradings of the timber that, that we're expecting it to perform at could it perform at a lower level i suppose that's my first the first sort of thing i'm going to throw out there just to to respond to joe yeah, I I think um, and I'm I should point out that I'm not a kind of forestry expert, but but from what I understand, it is to do with the gradings of the wood that we have. Um, and we, I mean, we do use a lot of imported timber. That's right, uh, and I think that is a missed opportunity. Yeah, we have we have a big um, kind of forestry in- industry up in Scotland, yeah. uh, and we have a kind of emerging one in in Wales as well. And I think. Um, I think we can really maximise the opportunities to use those wo- that that wood. Um, I I don't know if you saw during COP last year, uh, Construction Scotland Innovation Centre, uh, which I think has changed its name to Best or something like that, BEST. Um, they built a demonstration kind of two story house out of homegrown Scottish. Uh, CLT uh, well it wasn't just CLT it was also Dow laminated timber and glue lamb so they really tested out different uh, methods there um, they built two of these things and then they set fire to one of them not just for fun <laughs> to, to demonstrate its fire performance and um, I think what they really showed was that you actually can make mass timber out of UK grown um, uh, wood and uh, yeah that, that, that it is possible essentially so I yeah, I also feel quite hopeful about this. I mean, I don't know if you saw the news kind of last year that Binderholz, the Austrian kind of mass timber producer, bought up the biggest sawmill group in um, in the UK, BSW. And uh, from what I'm seeing and hearing, or from around the industry, it sounds as if they're going to invest in infrastructure to produce CLT or other mass timber elements here. Um, on our little island so hopefully we'll have a local source very soon well it always it always struck me the other rumor that was circulating quite heavily last year was the great forest of the north so you know the newcastle where i'm currently located at the moment will be surrounded by forestry i guess in our in, in our in our country as well there's a need for a longer term planning i suppose that goes for a lot of things but particularly around forestry. And I remember speaking to the guys in Denmark, a couple of the big companies in Denmark around their timber use and the timber economy over there. And, and it, it just really struck me that the planning was in the, it was a hundred year plan that was being laid out for the use of the, the forestry plan and the timber economy there. 
you know, I feel like we've got a little way to go as a as a country to to sort of get that level of planning in place. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I, mean, I suppose so. I mentioned three government departments that were looking at at this um, earlier, and one and the one of them that is leading that is Defra, which I find quite interesting because they're um, they're looking at this from the point of view of how can we increase forest coverage in the UK. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're only looking at increasing it like two percent or something. But even so, that's two percent on top of what is currently, I think, ten percent. So, um, so even that would be a, a big shift. Uh, and I've been speaking to people in Ireland recently as well. There's a huge kind of crop of trees that's about to be harvested over there. So I do feel like there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of scope. There's a lot of potential uh, wood about to to come into our kind of market. And I guess that's roll this back a little bit and just for the audience take us through the sort of jobs that you're doing or your day-to-day tasks in in Bilbao Nature you know what what are you guys working on now? Yeah so my day-to-day tasks really are around organizing uh, meetups and events for for our UK network so I mentioned earlier the six kind of target stakeholder uh, groups that we're um that we're looking to work with from developers all the way to kind of cities. Uh, so, so my t- day-to-day is really kind of organizing regular meetups on different topics. Um, I'm currently working on organizing one to do with fire, fire safety and the regulations and kind of speaking to as many fire engineers as I can to try and find out, you know, hear different perspectives on what fire engineers think we need to do to to overcome the current kind of difficulties with um, gaining uh, kind of approvals and getting fire tests done and things like that. So I'm trying to kind of get in touch with fire engineers. Um, I mean, other things that we're working on at the moment um, are to do with uh, insurance. So we've just uh, agreed grants. We've just funded a project which is uh, being led by the ASBP, uh, Alliance for Sustainable Building Products, um, and is they work, they're going to be working with uh, Phil Callow, who is of Mass Timber Risk Consulting. So he's a he's a former kind of construction insurance underwriter. Um, so so they are writing a kind of Mass Timber insurance playbook. So it's a it's a step by step guide for developers and designers uh, on how to approach the insurance sector if you're working on a Mass Timber building through the ROBA stages, what you need to do at each stage, what kind of information you need to present, that kind of thing. So we're, we're really looking for solutions to these challenges, trying to identify them and build project teams around them. And then, if we can, support them with the Accelerator Fund. And Joe, as an organisation or as a network, you're quite unique because you're obviously backed by the Loudest Foundation, which is, you know, funds the World GBC and the Danish, you know, GBC. Um that gives you an accelerator grant sort of funding as well, doesn't it? Can you tell us some of the things that you've already funded in the timber space and maybe some of the things that you're looking or, you know, want people to, you know, to apply to help with? Yeah, sure. So um, in the UK, uh, recently, uh, kind of a few months ago, we um, kicked off a project with with DRMM, uh, the architecture firm. So they're working together with Quality of Life Foundation and uh, NMITE, which is the new model institute for technology and engineering, I think, new kind of academic institution in in Herefordshire. Uh, So what DRMM and their team are doing are um, looking at five mass timber buildings in detail 
doing uh, very rigorous whole life carbon assessments and doing uh, post occupancy evaluation on those buildings as well. So they're kind of bringing together the arguments in terms of um, you know improved well-being into the buildings with the kind of carbon argument and they're presenting this as a series of case studies so what what we wanted to do there was to essentially continue to strengthen the carbon case for for timber so um, hopefully these will be some of the most kind of detailed and rigorous whole life carbon assessments that have been done of mass timber buildings and then um, yeah they'll be working on that over the next six months and kind of publishing it um next year uh, and another project from the UK that was initially funded by um, the Loudest Foundation, but, but um, kind of has come over to Built by Nature since we've been established, is the new model building by War Thistleson Architects with Bureau Happold and UCL. And this is looking at timber buildings from a slightly different angle. So it's it's effectively developed they they have developed a, a kind of six-story residential building which meets current regulations um doesn't have any combustible materials in the external wall but is a uh, mass timber structure internally and what they've done is taken that design and gone to a national warranty provider um to effectively kind of pre-approve all of the construction details in there and this is going to conclude in the next couple of months and we hope it will be published probably September, maybe October. Uh, and what that will do is provide a series of details that others can then apply uh, to residential buildings. Um, and effectively, they'll be pre-approved or pre-warrantied. So, so hopefully this should unlock kind of six story and below um, mass timber residential um, construction, which, which is struggling at the moment in the UK. Um, so those are two examples of kind of projects in the UK that we've recently funded. Carrying on Oliver's sort of timber myths, I've got I've got another one for you, which is something I hear quite often is that people keep on telling me that architects don't get enough training in in the use of timber design, you know, through their university or part one, part two. Is, do you see that as a is that sort of an area we should be focusing on really, and um, and ingraining it into you know people's design philosophies from the start. Yeah, I think it's not just architects either. From what I hear, it's structural engineers, fire consulting engineers as well. <laughs> I think it's across the spectrum. Like we're we're not really educating our new next generation of um, practitioners on timber and how how it works. Uh, I know that TD UK are doing quite a lot of work on on in the education space, and you probably you probably know Tab Binding, who is an absolute superstar, and she's. Um, single-handedly kind of driving the uh, education of the next generation I think in terms of timber she's she's doing loads and loads with, with universities around the country so um, so yeah I've got kind of confidence in TDUK and, and what they're doing but, uh, but you're right I mean we need to be we need to be educating everybody who's coming into this industry on how timber buildings work and how they're different yeah. from concrete and steel buildings. Absolutely and then sort of what are the the challenges or that you want to want to address you know you're sat there with well, hopefully quite a lot of money behind yourselves you know you've got some grants to give out you know and so how can people get involved with um, built by nature yeah so we're in in the uk really we're kind of as i mentioned earlier we're kind of focused on insurance and fire safety and and the regulations in addition to that we will continue to 
to try and develop the carbon case for timber. I think there is still some work to be done around, you know, end of life questions for timber, what happens at the end of its life and um, increasing our understanding of how different forestry practices might affect the kind of carbon cycles at the, you know, at the beginning of the life cycle. Um, so we're, we're looking at doing some work around around that and we'll hopefully have an open challenge to announce later this year that's kind of on that subject of traceability verification of uh, of uh, sequestered carbon and that kind of thing um but yeah it's really around those three subjects really it's insurance kind of fire and and carbon we're focused on in in the uk and built by nature does have a, a kind of expression of interest form on its website so if you think you've got an idea for uh, a bit of research or a demonstration project or um, anything really that you think might help solve some of those challenges then I would encourage you to just put in a, an expression of interest on throughout the form on our website that will come through to me and my colleagues and then we're kind of piecing them all together into a, a big jigsaw of things that we hope to tackle all of those um, bases um, yeah but I mean we're, we're, we're also working on a kind of proactive level on on trying to bring together grants from through our network so as well as those expressions of interest if you're involved in our networks we're kind of working proactively with some of those companies to um, bring projects together like that so joe you're clearly super knowledgeable and, and doing an amazing job for built by nature yeah what is it tell us what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning what do you you know what really makes you passionate what what drives you i I just have this kind of firm belief that we can shift our industry from being uh, a carbon emitter, a big carbon emitter, to being a a big carbon sink uh, or a big carbon store. Really, it's the forests that are the sink, and the built environment can become a store. Uh, I'm just incredibly passionate and also very worried and terrified about the climate crisis and the speed at which it's escalating. But I think we have the ability in the built environment sector to make a huge difference. You know, uh, we're responsible for like 40% of emissions in most countries and globally. Um, so we really have a big responsibility, but a big opportunity as well. So, so it's that kind of big overarching mission of turning our built environment into a carbon emitter to a carbon store that kind of drives me. And that's why I get up there in the morning, I think. And on your website, there's some great uh, front runner examples. I think you guys call them. And you, who are you engaging with outside of the UK? Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just responsible really for the UK network, but we do have a kind of pan-European network as well. Yeah. So um, it's the 27 EU countries plus UK, Norway, and Switzerland that we're we're focusing on at the moment. Um, we have a number of partner organisations which are looking at different parts of the the supply chain and so some of these are carbon neutral cities alliance Bauhaus earth which you might have heard of um climate kick as well an organization that we've recently funded uh, in to do a project in in milan um so those are some of our kind of partner organizations um we're also working quite closely with uh people like cromwell who are an invest real estate investment Firm and Daesos Capital. So Daesos Capital and Cromwell have both recently announced, I think it was last year, this big one billion kind of timber construction fund. 
Um, so they're included in our kind of front runner network. Um, Dave also from Finland, I think Cromwell, possibly the Netherlands. <laughs> I'll be you've, you've, on you've, that. <laughs> you've, you've just you've just described a sort of a, how you've professionalised your earlier activism in, in a in a pan European network. The uh, you know you've taken the ethos that you took to the founding of ACAN to sort of a professionalised environment of really pushing mass timber on a pan-European level there. It sounds, you know, it's a super exciting calling and a, and a fantastic project. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that we have to work quite closely with these big kind of, um, you know, the big firms, that big organisations that are uh, driving our built environment, uh, the investors and the, um, the developers. So, yeah, through Built by Nature, that's really um, the types of organisation that we're trying to work with. Are you guys exploring other options? So uh, alongside Mass Timber, are you guys exploring the use of uh, wood-based products elsewhere in the construction chain? Yeah, yeah. I mean, our overriding vision, I suppose, at Built by Nature is for um, a built environment that works in unison with nature. Uh, so obviously, Mass Timber is not the only solution there. Uh, I think in the UK, we're focused at the moment on mass timber and across Europe, we're just, we're focused on timber generally um, as our first kind of initial focus. I think if you, if you look at the kind of readiness of timber as a solution, it's, it's really kind of there ready to be implemented. So we, we want to focus first on that um, and then potentially in the future, widen out to other bio-based materials as mm. well. Well, we've got plenty of others to talk to you about, Joe. You know, we've got podcast upon podcast of other bio-based products. So you, so you will be looking at things like the mycelium space and um, micro macroalgae and using using those products in, in construction as well further down the line. Yeah, well, one thing that's come across my radar recently, which is probably already on yours, that you're well aware of, is, uh, is miscanthus, which is a quick-growing... Uh, grass which is a perennial that you can you know cut down you don't have to reseed it just grows again and you can do this for 20 years and it grows to like 12 feet or something so you can have 12 foot long miscanthus bales um which to me just sounds like an amazing thing <laughs> and uh just something that we could really utilize in construction i mean i think straw and miscanthus and and hemp uh, all have huge potential for the built environment i think it's uh, i think it's Really exciting that you guys are uh, su supporting, wholeheartedly supporting and funding this kind of European-wide effort into introducing bio-based materials and, and other biogenic materials into the construction chain. I think it's well overdue. I think it might take quite a long time for us to see and feel the benefit, unfortunately, you know, but unless we've got guys like you and, and organizations like Built by Nature really grinding, uh, making it happen, you know, it, 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 we're not going to get there. You mentioned the work of tab binding in the university space. Well, we've still got to wait for all those really enthusiastic, encouraged young professionals to come through into the industry. So I think anybody that's really pushing it now is is sort of truly pioneering in that space. So I look forward to sort of following the work of, of Built by Nature and probably launching a few requests for funding your way, Joe, by the sounds of it. Please do. So how do um how how's your preferred way for people to follow the work of Built by Nature and, and how do people get in touch with you guys? 
So on our website, there are um, there are forms where you can kind of join our our networks. Um, that will kind of add you to our our mailing list, and and you'll kind of get um, quarterly updates through through those. We also post quite a lot on LinkedIn, so follow us on LinkedIn, um, where you'll get where you get much more regular updates, kind of weekly updates. We tend to post on there about things that we've just funded or events that we've run. Uh, or just articles that we find inspiring. I mean, we we also have a resources page on our website, which is fairly new, and we're growing as well. But it it's a place that we're hoping to gather resources on um, timber, whether that's to do with financing timber, business models, or just um, construction details, or something to do with insurance, whatever it is. We're kind of compiling these on our our website as well. So um, yeah, check that out. I guess we always we always sort of wrap up our chats, Joe, by asking our guests what is it, what's the future that they'd like to see. So uh, you haven't had any time to prepare an answer to this, so I'm sure there's a there's a burning description in there of what kind of future would you like to see in the uh, in the construction sector. You know what I I I believe in kind of dense cities and dense urban development. And I, I think in the future, we will be building on top of our cities with wood. We'll be infilling brownfield sites with tall timber buildings. We'll be living in kind of 10 storey residential neighbourhoods that are all built out of wood and might have straw kind of facade systems or something like that. Uh, there'll probably be gardens on top of all of these buildings and trees throughout the streets. And uh, there'll be green, lovely car free neighbourhoods that we can uh, run around in with our kids. <laughs> oh, mate, it sounds sounds like an absolute dream of a future. So, I just want to say thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks thank for you. introducing us to the work that you guys are doing, and, and really, really excited to sort of follow that work and encourage the audience to do so as well. Thanks, both. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Oliver. I'm sure this is an organisation you're going to get in touch with. May I'm writing the funding proposal as we speak. So, uh, you know, as Joe's talked about there, it's a fantastic organisation to get involved in. They have accelerator grants. You can find out all the information um, on their website. Finally, if you enjoyed this, please like, share and subscribe. And we'll be back soon with another episode of FutureX. Join our community to stay up to date with all things FutureX. Visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up. Please also like them and share them to help grow our community. You can subscribe to the podcasts within your favourite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.